The Gundog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by OnX Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the OnX Hunt app from your phone's app store today and check out onxmaps.com for more inside Onyx. Also, the Gun Dog Notebook is brought to you by Yukonuba Sporting Dogs. Sporting Dogs give us everything they got and then some. Their nutrition should do the same. Learn more about Yukonuba Sporting Dog and the premium performance blend at yukonubasportingdog.com. I also want to bring to you Garmin. Build a better dog with devices for tracking and training, from obedience to hunting and limiting nuisance barking. Get exactly what you need to make a life with your hunting buddy that much better. The Gun Dog Notebook is also brought to you by Dakota 283 Kennels. Check out the new Tano compatible kennel. The Dakota T1 Kennel has a lower profile than our standard kennels and is designed to easily fit in the back of a pickup under a Tano cover. Check them out now. Also presented to you by Lion Country Supply, the Gun Dog World's premium gun dog supplier check him out now all right guys welcome back to another episode of the gun dog notebook podcast this of course is your host Darrell Smith and this episode is entitled lay of the land and it's based on the uh, conversation from this past weekend the lecture that I gave uh, at the Thomasville Center of the Arts um, during the plantation wildlife arts festival um, of course, there were a number of insights that I wanted to give on the topic of lay of the land and also just show some gratitude and appreciation that, I, you know, that I have for the area, for the space and for the people that have, you know, really taught me more or less, every, you know, majority of the things that I know about bird dogs and the things that I'm still learning. It's always a learning process. Um, but this was just a really good opportunity for me to sit back and reflect on, you know, the fusion between art and bird dogs and the art of bird dogs. Um, at the end of the second part of the podcast, it, it's a little bit of audio from my bird dog demonstration that I got a chance to uh, present. And uh, it was so funny. One of my little pigeons flew off on me. Not one of them. The one that I brought down flew off on me off the uh, pigeon pole. But it came back and we didn't have any problems. Vegas and Ruger looked excellent. So guys, take another listen to the Gun Dog Notebook podcast. Here's the episode, Lay of the Land. podcasts and things like that i have to give the if y'all are podcast listeners especially hunting dog ones we got to do the whole sponsor spiel and stuff like that um and it it really is a a statement of gratitude so first and foremost um first thomasville uh realty thank you guys seriously thank y'all can you stand up for me you mind (laughs) grab it up there we go um, they have really made this thing, you know, something something special for me. Um, Thomasville Center of the Arts and, and Tom Magazine. Um, first magazine, I was in it, this current issue number 13, so clap it up for Tom Magazine if y'all don't mind. All right. Um, and then my personal sponsors for the podcast, uh, Onyx Maps, You Can Do the Sporting Dog, Lion Country Supply, Dakota 283 Kennels, Project Upland and Northwoods Collective, Orvis, and Garmin. Um, they make this whole thing possible for me. And, uh, you know, sit. there we go. Um, they make this whole thing possible. So what I want to do today um, is kind of break down what lay of the land means to me um, in, in two parts. One in regards to the art and, and culture, especially as it pertains to Thomasville, Georgia, and also as it pertains to bird dogs. And then I should be able to give y'all a, a bird dog demonstration. I got a good old pigeon in there for you. Um, he's kind of hanging out in that in that thing there. Um, so like I said, typical of my podcast, and I'm gonna try not to be long winded, so I had to write this stuff out. 
Um, my wife tells me I can talk all day. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it, keep it kind of tailored, if you want to call it. So typical of my podcast, um, I get a little philosophical um, and break down some things. So what I wanted to do was kind of reel it in. Um, those folks that have been down in the Thomasville, Red Hills area, uh, Tallahassee, give or take, you're probably familiar with, um, you may be familiar with it, a, an author named Guy De La Valdan. Um, this book here, for a handful of feathers, has meant a lot to me. Um, it is a phenomenal book. If you need to know anything about quail, habits, um, conservation, I mean, he really breaks it down and gives an honest um, interpretation. So I swung a couple of quotes in there for him just to kind of, you know, show what this whole thing means to me. We've got a lot of people here in Thomasville. Um, I'm, you know, at, at one point I would have considered myself a guest and now this is, is, is home to me. Um, it, you know, it feels like home to me. So I'm sure a lot of people can say the same thing. You know, I went to school down here as well. Um, you know, in, in, at Albany State University. So what ended up happening was I kind of noticed a whole, whole, whole lot of things. Um, so with that being said, I'll kind of go through it. Um, I want to express how grateful I am to be here, though, to share with you guys. That little joker there. This is a podcast for me. This is typical. <laughs> right when I get done talking. Um but I want to express how grateful I am and, and thank a few folks. Um, realistically, it, it, it takes a village. You know, I live by that you know, mantra and just going down the line, it's been a whole lot of blessings. I'm not a fan of coincidences. I might end up putting one of them up because he's distracted. But, you know, to be able to stand in front of you guys, it, it, it's been the contribution of a lot of good people. Um, First and foremost, my wife, as I've already introduced her, um, you know, she was with me when I was in Clayton County, you know, moving away from the transition to training pit bulls. Um, and, and I was just training those for fun. I, I lived in a, a fairly rough area and uh, I was training them for protection. <laughs> my granddaddy always used to tell me the uh, best form of protection is a dog. So that's just what it was. Um, and she encouraged me to move on to bird dogs because I was always talking about it um, and encouraged me to get into podcasting. My little daughter, I just had one. She's three months old. So hopefully one day she gets a chance to, to be up here and do a whole lot better than I am. Um, my granddaddy has kept me motivated, um, you know, and sat down and done everything from watching horse races to, you know, shooting squirrels in the backyard and things like that. Um, <laughs> he is not used to it. Um, my bylaws, I don't call them my in-laws. I, I, I say bylaws because, um, I mean, we are married and, and that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bigger bond to me. Um, Aaron Edie, Alexia Edie, my father and my father by law and, and mother by law, Fred and Arnetta Edie, um, just the whole family. And they've continued to be a uh, foundation for me. My pastor, it is Sunday. <laughs> he has done a lot to support me as well. Um, and I've actually had the opportunity during uh, Black History Month this year, matter of fact, to talk about the uh, Georgia, Florida shooting dog handlers down here. Um, I also want to thank all of the African-American bird dog handlers that are from here all over the country, namely one right there, Mr. Smith, if you can weigh Cedric Smith right there. Um, I got a chance to see Cedric's work in, I think it was Covey Rise magazine, if I'm not mistaken. It was either Covey Rise or Gundog, but I found you in one of those magazines and I reached out and we've since had a good, uh, rep, uh, a good uh, set of conversations. Neil Carter, y'all are down here in Thomasville. He is a staple, seeing he just retired from St. Cola Plantation. Um, you know, Curtis Brooks, all of these guys, if you've ever been down here and watched bird dog work, that is the least impressive thing that you will see once you see those guys. <laughs> I'm just glad he's standing right there. But um, these guys have given me a serious welcome um, into the community. And finally, um, Andrea, John Michael, Miriam, everybody at Time Magazine, 
again, thank you. So now that we're kind of past that, um, it's something about a bird dog, right? Like it's, it, I, I just had my three month old child. Shh, 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 shh. Um, I just had my three month old daughter and everybody told me there was no guidebook to raising a child. And there is not. <laughs> there is. And there's also no sleep to raising a child. Um, I got a little bit of practice um, right before I ended up having my daughter. Nope. Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. There you go. I got a little bit of practice with him and getting no sleep beforehand. And, and what that ended up meaning was there was this whole process. Right. And in that in the magazine, I kind of talk about it. But there's this whole process to raising a bird dog. No, Vegas. He wants to get down. So there's this stuff like that. He wants to hang out. Let me put these guys up. Ruger, Kennel. distracted. So there's this whole process to raising a bird dog. And this little guy right here is perfect example for it, where you've got almost a childlike attention span. You know, he sits up and, and I ended up having to learn all of that. And it took for me to reach out to, you know, those folks who I call old heads, you know, the guys that have been doing it way longer than me, you know, learning a dog, getting them to read you sitting down and reading them. Um, so all of that being said, I kind of want to get into it. This little guy right here, despite his craziness, uh, if y'all don't mind clapping it up, he is an official wild bird dog. <laughs> um, he ended up pointing about six coveys down here to, on, on public lands and, and had quite a number of really good covey flushes. The only problem is I couldn't hit a bird. <laughs> so you get a covey of about 12 to 15 birds get up in front of you. It will, I promise you, it is the scariest thing in the world. Um, but he is officially a wild bird dog. And that's what it takes. Um, you know, you see all of this history down here. You see everything in the photos. But those photos don't necessarily talk about the work that goes in to having these dogs. You know, we read it in magazines and you hear these great stories and, and in books, but there's no serious detail to it. And what I wanted to do with the gun dog notebook, one of them is right there, was not only talk about my process, but also talk about encouraging other people to get into it and encouraging other people to write their own stories. You know, I, I write for an, a, a company, uh, Project Upland, and they're producing a magazine and they're getting guys my age. I'm 29. Um, they're getting guys my age to, you know, continue preserving the history of what it is we're doing. You know, everybody talks about bird dogs and, and bird dogging as a dying art, but and it, and it is an art. <laughs> it, it is very much so an art. But what are we doing to get people in there? And what are we doing? You know, I ask myself all the time, what are we doing to go above and beyond just a cool photo of a, of a dog on point? You know, like it's it's I don't need to teach him how to point. I don't. All of that is genetics. You know, his great, great, great grandsire. Uh, I think it's great. However many it is. But oh, he's Snakefoot has likely walked these grounds down here in Thomasville. Robert Whaley, if you go an hour to, to Alabama, there's a whole tract of land dedicated to those dogs. But how many of us are, are still maintaining that tradition, you know? We talk about quail and we talk about following quail, but how many of us are doing the work it takes to conserve them? You know, and, and what about these stories? So all of that being said, you know, I hope that is one of the many reasons I'm here and, and encouraging, you know, folks to continue these traditions. Bird dogs also have, uh, they got style, man. You know, like I, I wrote this article, uh, shoot, it was for Orvis. 
and it was called a pickup in the Porsche. That's my pickup right there. I, I, I think of bird dogs and kind of like cars, and I'm gonna tell you about it later um, when I do the demonstration, but that's my pickup, that's my Porsche, and I, I think about it in terms of style. What am I looking for, you know, out of a dog? You know, all of this stuff, and, 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 and when it comes to style, you know, all of this natural ability and stuff like that, it's just as artistic, right? All of that stuff, well, all of that stuff goes into these great paintings that we have. You know, it's funny, I'm an artist um, and represented in, up in Atlanta um, by the Bill Lowe Gallery, and, and I've done all of this stuff, but one thing that was right in my face when I was in college was the history and culture of sporting dogs. I just, for some odd reason, just did not appreciate what's in those photos. You know, at the time, 19, 20 something years old, I was looking at the photos and I was like, oh man, like who's just gonna paint a picture of a dog? But then you get these artists, you know, Ms. Liz Lewis here and things like that, that are sitting down and they are, I mean, the energy that goes into it, you know, it's this whole spiritual thing that goes on. It's this whole spiritual thing that goes on into a painting. And, and so every stroke of oil and, and things like that, that's what y'all are looking at in there. You know, so not only is it, is it you know, is, is the end result, the flush and things like that. I didn't even feel that bad that I couldn't hit a bird yesterday because of everything that went into this young dog getting, you know, what we call broke on birds, you know? Um, you know, it, it's just, it's something about that. And, I, and I'm so glad that it happened here in Thomasville, Georgia. I would have, I would have much rather, I, I wouldn't have rather it happen any other place other than Thomasville because of the history, right? We walk around and, and, and <laughs> my, my dad used to get on me all the time. I, uh, I, I went to a school, Woodward Academy, up in, uh, up in Atlanta. And I used to come home just playing so hard. And I mean, my, we had these super expensive pants that cost my family a, a probably, a, probably a fortune when they got done with me. But I mean, it was from here to here, up and down my shin, just red as the red as red as dirt could be. We were out there playing kickball. I'm sliding and stuff. And I didn't realize that to me, metaphorically, that red clay here was a symbol of hard work, but also a symbol of good times. But also, it was a symbol of bad times. In the state of Georgia, like, I'm a big history buff and I don't, I don't necessarily mind doing the research and looking it up. It seems to me there's so much history now that is forgotten. So much of it from, from plantation culture that honestly wasn't all that good. But now, now it's, it's the thing that, that is helping us preserve history. You know, when you walk these hills, the Red Hills, none of, none of it matters, but none of that is, is creating a divisive thing. When you get out there with these bird dogs, there's no division there. There's, there's nothing that separates you know, us as people, when you're behind a good dog, when you're in an art gallery and you're looking at a painting, the only thing that separates us is whether or not you like the painting versus me. And now we got a conversation about why. It ain't no different than, than, than folks who got German short hairs it, it versus my pointers. And I talk a whole lot of trash about some short hairs. <laughs> I talk a whole lot of trash about it. And I love them to death. I, I really do. I got plenty of friends um, that have them. But that's what it's about. You know, when we talk about lay of the land, it's, it's what are you bringing to the table? What are you bringing down here as visitors, as residents, as friends, as family? You know, what are you bringing down here to keep the land that we walk on down here? I hope that through artwork and through bird dogs, I'm able to give some kind of contribution, you know, to what it is that we have down here. So, like I said, I can, I can get a little ahead of myself, but all in all, when, I, when, it, when it comes to lay of the land, this place right here, 
despite the fact that I got to drive four hours down here, I do it every time. Because this right here is a special place that y'all are walking in. You know, I, I, I hope, Mr. Smith, that, that you feel as welcome as I did the first time I got down here because you just moved from Mississippi. You know, and now we got another good dog man down here, right? We got another really good dog man. And those are the traditions down here. I, I felt, you know, compelled to talk about that because it's almost as if it's forgotten in Atlanta, you know? But then I come down here and I mean, I walk down the street, there's bird dogs everywhere. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's just a really good thing. So the long and short of it, where I see lay of the land fall in Thomasville is the fact that I'm proud that every last one in here, if you're sitting in this room right now, you're contributing to keeping the history here. You're contributing to conservation. There's nowhere else in the Southeast that you really gonna find wild birds like that. You don't have to shoot them. You don't have to hunt them. You know, but when people talk about pointers, where do they think about? They think about here. They think about y'all. You know, they, they, they think about the land and, and, and these wide expanses. The first time I was on a plantation, it blew my mind. A lot of good and bad. <laughs> it blew my mind because, you know, just in general, black folks in plantations typically don't fit in the same sentence. They just typically don't. But then I met the folks that work on those plantations. It looked like me. They were the ones that said, here, give me that little puppy. Let's, let's work on You know, there are other folks here don't look like me. They say, look, come on down to the plantation. Let me show you prescribed burning. You know, let me, let me, let me show, let me, you know, put you on a horse. Let's get some horseback work in. That doesn't happen anywhere else but down here. So you guys gotta be, you know, I'm, I'm encouraging everyone to be proud of where, what it is that you're sitting in right now. You know, I get all worked up just to come down here and at two o'clock in the morning, I left Atlanta to get here by six or seven. And I'm typically not one for long drives, but I was wired the whole time just to be able to talk about what this land, you know, means to me. And to make this little guy get his, his wild bird dog card. You know, each one, of these, each one of these paintings out here, that's history, you know? I'll be able to go and, and, and talk to my sixth grade art class, <laughs> which probably don't listen to me a whole lot, but I'll be able to tell them about the history of what goes on down here. You know, it, it's almost like a, you know, at one point in time, like a, a best kept secret type deal. But I mean, that's, you know, one of the other reasons why I started the Gundog Notebook was to be able to come down here and I've had a chance to travel, you know, like I've had a chance to travel from here to Pennsylvania to, you know, and I'm, I'm working my way out west. It's nothing like down here. What y'all got down here is something special. Y'all got something real special going on here, you know? Um, and so I, I just really hope that between you guys as an audience, you know, my family and then my, my listeners, I'm encouraging everyone to take care of what it is that we got down here. You know, there, there is just so much that <laughs> I got to say, like I said, I had to, I had to kind of, you know, write it down and, and I, I started veering off. So let me bring myself back on in. <laughs> um, you know, the thing about this place also and I'm staying on, on, the, on the idea of laying the lay of the land. Very spiritual person and, I, and, and, and at times a very religious person. What y'all got going on down here is a spirit, is, it's, it's a universal thing. Walk through these woods long enough, you'll start to hear whispers. 
I promise you, walk through. I, I just did 12 miles yesterday. Like, <laughs> maybe I'm hallucinating to stuff like that, but you're going to start hearing whispers. All of that is, is what the Native Americans were doing down here before any of us were here. That's what the folks that were working on plantations and, and, and cultivating land, they were whispering. That's what the landowners down here, that's what they were talking about. You know, how do we create something grand? You know, I, 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 a lot of the times I will walk around and sometimes I guess get kind of sidetracked and I'll see folks footprints in the woods. I come across mud or, or, or like yesterday, I saw one that wasn't mine. It was right down the strip that was burned, the WMA. A couple of things that tell me, prescribed burning, which is what we need. That's the thing that's going to keep quail habitat. They need somewhere to live. But when I see that footprint right next to a burned area like that, what were those folk whispering, you know? What were they saying? How long ago was it? You know, when I see it, uh, 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 I, every so often I'll come on WMAs down here and I'll see dog footprints. What was that dog doing? You know, was he pointing birds? What, what, what was the covey like? Or was he just pissing his owner off and busting birds and, 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 and owner missing shots? And it's just all kind of chaos. This place down here has a story. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a story that cannot be forgotten. And I don't think y'all gonna let it be forgotten. I just really don't. Not with all that artwork out there, you know? And then when I, when I go and, and meet the artists, you got Miss Liz Lewis down here from Montana. Phenomenal artist, you know? When I go back and, and, and read through Robert Whaley's Snakefoot book, Making of a Champion, it's a big time sculptor. Person that reminds me of that work is right outside. You know, when me and Miss Lewis was talking, she's like, what kind of dog is that? Oh, he's LH background. She got the same thing. This place is connected to people, to artists that have never met each other in the world. And guess what? Down here in Thomasville, we got the same background pedigree of dogs. That's something wild to me. You know, there's this just commonality. We're all walking the same ground and we having all kinds of conversations. And you get a chance to talk to people from various backgrounds, various histories, and you're, and you're connected. Another thing that I remember about Lay of the Land is Mr. Neil Carter. To me, that is my, <laughs> like, he is the, a legend for me. And, and, and I laughed, but I was honored because he got, I got a nickname from him, City Slicker. <laughs> I came down here and, and we don't you know we, we don't even talk the same and I'm 200 something miles north oh but but that's those are the things that you know bring us together you know everybody in here has an opportunity to visit like I said the one WMA or these same streets in Thomasville and experience what it is that I experienced yesterday and the year before. But you've got to take care of it, you know? Um, you, you, you absolutely got to, got to, got to take care of it. Um, one thing that I also want to talk about when it comes to us and down here, um, I stole a quote out of Guy De La Valdan's book, um, and, and he made a mention that was kind of interesting to me. Um, the thing is, he says, civilization is based not only on men, but plants and animals. And, and he continued on in, in saying that in respect to in, in respect to um, our behavior, you know, fellow humans differ from our behavior towards animals only in terms of the numbers and fear of reprisal. So often are we caught up in everyday life, all this foolishness on the news and stuff. I don't even watch news anymore. It's too divisive. I just don't. And the thing is, we go from that 
How many of us can honestly say in this room, we think about the way that we take care of our animals? How many of us really think about that? Okay, well, he's reminding me. <laughs> hey, buddy. You know, these guys and, you know, we've got dogs walking around here. Let me recalibrate him real quick. Right. Sometimes you put them up on that barrel and just mentally get into them for a second. Dogs don't like to be off their feet. You can get a dog to do anything he wants to as long as he's off his feet. He'll sit there for a little while until he starts to get bored. Um, but back to um, Valdan's quote. So, you know, I kind of want that to sit on y'all for a minute and, and think about it, you know. And when I talk about him, I'm not just talking about our dogs, our cats. You know, Miss Miriam, I, th I think the hashtag for this was follow the quail. Conservation goes into how we treat our animals. I'm big on that. You know, Quail Forever and all of these guys are, are, are contributing, you know, a whole lot of money <laughs> to making sure that we take care of it. You know, I got a, I got a thing about folks being too trigger happy. It was a time about four and a half years ago when I started hunting, I wanted to shoot everything that flew by me. I mean, I, I was, I promised you I was going to knock it out the air. And contrary to yesterday's performance, I'm actually a pretty good shot. <laughs> Yesterday was terrible. I, it, I, will, I should have probably got rid of the gun, threw it in the lake and just never did it again. But um, now, you know, Peter Rabbit go by me and we ain't got no problems. You know, unless I just want a rabbit dog, which <laughs> your jacket triggered something in him. But <laughs> um, it, the, the, the idea of, of consumption as humans is, is probably one of our biggest downfalls. We cannot take care of the land if we're not considerate of consumption. For me, if I don't, you know, when I see a covey of quail, if I get a chance to shoot it, two birds, move on. Because that's a respectful thing to do. It's not even just the right thing to do. It's a respectful thing to do. When it's breeding season, that's one time I'm going to tell you not to walk the woods. Don't disturb the nesting season. I, I just think about it. I got a three-month-old at home. I would be upset <laughs> if somebody came in and woke that little girl up. I would be at those y'all kids. You know, <laughs> do not wake that baby up. It's the same thing with, with, with nesting habits. Walking through the woods. Take care of what it is. It, it drives me up the wall when I see shotgun shells just laying around. Things like that are the things that, that you know, take away or, or, or I guess denigrate is a word, our society. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It's going to be all right, Vegas. It's going to be, it's going to be all right. So what he's telling me to do is hurry up and start running my mouth. Um, We've got to continue cultivating a bond with our natural elements. We have got to do that. I'm not telling you to go out and buy a Tesla. It's not what I'm doing. You know, all of that. So uh, it's not really my, my thing. I, I drive a, a Tundra. But finding ways to make sure that what we do is, is not only responsible, but it's going to help. Like I said, prescribed burning. We've got all of these farmlands and things like that. And one thing that, that really drives me up, well, I live in Douglasville, Georgia. When I was a kid in the 90s, man, there was woods everywhere in Douglasville. I mean, everywhere. Now, just two weeks ago, my wife and I were driving by, and there's a whole new shopping center. And there's one down the street from that. How much shopping you need? 
I want y'all to look good, but <laughs> I like to look good. I put a tie on every so often, but you know, it's things like that that I'm just kind of like, okay, so every time I see a deer hit on the road, I'm just like, okay, well, what were the odds that if we didn't knock down that whole tract of land and actually took care of what it is that we had, what are the odds that that deer would have had a life? You know, what are the odds that that would have been one more painting on the wall? You see what I mean? All of it is, is relative. It's all relative. You know, that's, that's, that's one more fox out there. So, you know, on, on every economic level, you know, I'm charging people. I don't care how much money there is in the world. Everyone has a due diligence. If you live here on this planet, take care of the land. Talking about laying the land, this is your home. We cannot have <laughs> Thomasville Center of the Yards putting together this entire festival if we don't go back down to the common denominator. Take care of your land. I promise you, Thomasville looks a whole lot better <laughs> than a lot of other places I've been to, minus like Alaska, because nobody wants to live in Alaska. It's just a little too cold and it's like grizzly bears and stuff out there. <laughs> but. You know, I, I just wonder, you know, how positive we are, you know, how positive we are about the things that we're doing. So let's take a transition because I can ramble on about taking care of land and conservation and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, in some of these slides, not only will you see my beautiful face and my dogs, um, you will also see, see, right there, boom. That's my gallery work. There's other pieces like this quail and things like that that you kind of fall into. And as an artist, I kind of wanted to get into how all of that ties into the land. You know, I went to school here in South Georgia, got my bachelor's degree from Albany State, um, back in 2012. And at the time, there's one thing that happened. It, I, I think it was my, had to have been either my sophomore or junior year. And there was a severe flood. I mean, it, classes are canceled and the Flint River rose. I mean, it came up. I never seen anything like it before. And what was going on, it was just this area is just known for severe flooding like that. Well, up until that point, I guess I had heard stories about like the the major floods in Albany and South Georgia. And I and I, I didn't really think about it. But that one made me think like, man, this is a thing. I was hearing people talking about like coffins and stuff were raising up out of the ground and just all kinds of wild stuff that you would never hear about in Atlanta because the whole city's built on a mountain. Well, what that did was make me go and, and research the severe flooding in Georgia. I mean, in South Georgia. Um, and I ended up hearing all of these rumors were true. And it was about the great flood of 1994. I was four years old. Everything down here got wiped out. People were losing homes. I can imagine what it did to nature and things like that. Um, there you go. I can imagine what it was doing to homes and things like that. Well, it was a tropical storm, Alberto. And I just, I have a way of trying to tie things in. And it was like, okay, well, what good did it do? What bad did it do? Um, and something about it was just innately spiritual because I think the whole area of South Georgia from Albany down to here and to, to, to Tallahassee is just innately spiritual. So two things that, I feel like we're in the works when we talk about God and, and, and the spiritual aspects of things. And that's fire and that's water. Vegas, no, sir. Hang out. I know, man. There's fire and there's water. Those two elements are the things that that contribute to some of the really, really good things down here and the really, really bad things. 
that go on in South Georgia. So when I talk about fire, I talk about prescribed fire. You need that. Now, homes burning down and things like that, that's one aspect of it. But you need prescribed fire, like I said, to keep quail habitat. They need that new growth so they can hide from predators and things like that. You ever been quail hunting and you get stuck up by briars and things? It's terrible for us. It's really good for them. But on the other end of it, the thing that puts out fire is water. And I thought about it. I mean, it wiped out everything. And even the, the flood that I was in knocked out a lot of stuff. So I just think, okay, how does that work? You know, how does that work on a spiritual level? And then I go back and I think about Genesis chapter seven. Going back. Let's talk about the great flood, Noah's Ark. There's all these sevens that work throughout the Bible. And I was just like, okay, there has to be something because I don't necessarily believe in coincidence. So if all of these things are, are, are working together, I have to think that that flood was just as intentional, the, the flood of 94 and the one that I was in was just as intentional, you know, as, as it was back during those days. Last year, I think it was Hurricane Michael that came through here. I went hunting after that. I didn't really care about the hunting because I couldn't get no birds. But what I did see, when we talk about intentionality, is the idea that people came together every time. And it was just as, as, as you know, people kind of minding their own business. But when these floods happened, it brought folks together. I'm down in Thomasville and near um, near Elmodale, like right outside it, going that way. Um, and I just see people pulling over cars, trailers completely demolished, and people got out to take care of their neighbors, you know? So although we've got these, this, this land out here that's really susceptible to flooding, going back to history, it brought people together. Those are the things that I wanna see. So, you know, and then we've got fires that kind of do the opposite, but it brings us that much closer to the land. You know, and so I kind of wanna wrap all that up by saying those are the, the reasons that I use, you know, references like that to water and fire within my artwork. To me, the use of watercolor correlates to those floods. I got a personal connection to that. Being able to control that water throughout the work. But then you take an India ink pen, that bad boy is like fire on page, on a page, you know? Some much quicker action. And then you've got my gallery style work, which my granddaddy said looked like I just threw a whole bunch of stuff on the canvas, sold it for a whole lot of money. Well, to me, that's the chaos aspect of it. That's the aftermath. You know, th those are the areas where you see the beauty in the destruction. What I wanted to do with my artwork was not only talk about a, a lot of social and political things, but I also wanted to express my connection through nature. To be able to, to put watercolor on paint, control that water, control the fire of a pen. And you've got this beautiful end result. And then to take a whole bunch of pieces like that one there, um, that there, all of these pieces going from using controversial subjects like cotton. But where did I get that cotton? Plains, Georgia. That's my connection to lay of the land. You know, and, and being able to tie this artwork all in. Using my artwork to study my dogs. Sometimes when I, when I was training, and obviously he's just a little distracted now, but I'll sit him up on a barrel and just park a chair in front of, in front of the uh, barrel in the backyard. Hold up. Hold up. And just work on anatomical drawings. Controlling that fire, you know? So... 
I, uh, you know, just kind of wanted to thank you guys for for listening to that analysis. And I'm, and I'm hoping that that part of the lecture will, will continue to encourage each other to, to come together. You know, we're all here. We're all having conversations. Hopefully that'll spark something a little bit deeper for you. Make you take one more walk through those those public lands. You got plantation land. You know, own that just a little bit more. So I'll stop rambling now. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed the first part of that episode. Um, I just want to give a huge thanks to, uh, again, to Thomasville Center of the Arts Plantation Wildlife Arts Festival, First Thomasville Realty for the opportunity to speak. Um, you know, it was just a phenomenal episode. I was a little nervous. You know, I was definitely a little nervous about what it was, but um, it all seemed to work out. So in this part, this was some uh, bird dog work that I did. I had Vegas on a barrel and I talked about the pigeon pole and, uh, you know, just gave a little intro on how I got him started. So here is the second half of the lay of the land lecture and bird dog demonstration. Um, what I wanted to do with this guy um, in addition to talk a little bit about lay of the land and talk about my artwork was show you guys exactly what that does. So we got a puppy right here. So when I put him back up on there, that'll get him going. Hopefully we can trigger some of that natural ability that we're all looking for in a good bird dog. So y'all give me two seconds. I'm going to take Mr. Pigeon out and get him going. I'll show y'all something. Right, cool. Come What I want here, when he's up there, I want him to resist me. There you go. See how you pull him back? I want that dog to resist me. What that's doing, and I put my hand up, I don't really like a whole lot of talking. You'll meet dog folks and hey, whoa, nah, stop. That dog ain't paying attention to you. That dog is long gone. <laughs> that dog ain't, but this here, me doing that, you don't want to come off that barrel. Me doing that, puts that together. Now, me doing this, I want to sit down, get him to stay, not sit down, but I want to be able to sit down comfortably and keep his eyes on me the whole time. There you go. Can't do nothing with a dog without eye contact. So now, let's take this thing out. It's here. This is a very baseline thing, but it'll kind of give you an idea what it is that I'm looking for. I want my dog to do what I need to do. Pigeon don't have a name because it curses birds. Every pigeon I've named has flown off on me. <laughs> so um, I'm not necessarily a fan of naming birds anymore. So a couple of things. This here, I'm gonna put this. There you go. Now that'll technically be connected to that check cord in any other situation. I'm going to take this little string here.
Now, You'll see that I've got a um, electronic collar, Garmin collar, back here instead of here. All I want here is a high head. That's it. Because it looks nice. If he does it, he does it great. If not, no big deal. But back here, that's where I put the simulation. If you drop him a little bit, he's going to push up against it. That butt up right there. He will stay. There you go. My whistle's going to right there. Just know calm down. Come down a little bit. So, it's kind of one little introduc introductory way of getting the bird dog you know, ready and conditioned. Also, it doesn't, I think there's a stigma that it takes a whole lot of money to train a bird dog. It doesn't. This stick didn't cost me anything. I found this in my garage, drilled a hole through it. 
That nylon string was about three dollars. Found this in my granddaddy's shed. These about four dollars a piece. No, two dollars. Just can't pay for natural ability. That's kind of the, 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 the main thing. So what I'll do. So, going forward, what I would end up doing, take him, I don't ever let him get off his barrel by himself. dog hits the ground and if I don't want him to do that we'll sit here all day I'll sit we'll walk around all day Stacking up. also a, a pigeon that don't want to leave me because they know I feed them. <laughs> so. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, that was just a little bit of what we do, um, you know, at home. And, and I'm glad y'all sat with me and kind of allowed me to give you a little bit of some of my thoughts, and, you know, just about how much I appreciate this place down here. Um, you know, if you're ever in Thomasville and I'm here at the same time, let me know. Hopefully we can get some wild bird points for you out of here. 
get up and get it going. Um, I, I, I hate to have had to put my buddy up right here, but come on. You know, too many things going on at one time. So thank you guys again um, for hanging out with me, and I hope you guys enjoy the rest of this particular festival. Thank you all so much. enjoyed that episode um lay of the land the lecture from the uh, plantation wildlife arts festival i really hope you guys enjoyed it and i want to thank thomasville magazine for the feature in issue 13 um thomasville center of the arts first thomasville realty my sponsors everybody um you know it was just a really 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 fun time so if you get a chance go and uh check out Tom Magazine, issue 13, the fall and winter 2019. Matter of fact, I think I'll make it a giveaway in the next episode. So, you know, stay tuned for that. All right, guys, y'all have fun and uh, see you next week.